Hello there, the season over and all good things must come to an end, at least for now. That's right, the final football matters of the season tonight. And while we finish, so too seemingly does the Saudi takeover of Newcastle United. We really should talk about that at some stage tonight, shouldn't we? For now though, welcome along to 2019-20's last football matters. Yes, welcome along. Only 40 minutes or so left of the season for us and only two pundits to spend it with. No does this week. We think the celebrations about the Newcastle takeover not going through may be taking their toll on Mr Williams. Uh, instead, to sift through the wreckage, I think is the best way to describe it, about what's happened in the last few days on Tyneside, we have Mark Carruthers back this week. and celebrating an anniversary today on Football Matters, which we'll come on to, joining the effervescent, the irreplaceable Mr. Olivier Bernard. Ollie, I would normally come to you first, but Mark is celebrating his <laughs> anniversary. For sorry, mate. Final episode of the season. Coinciding with Mark's anniversary. Huh? Go on, Mark. Anniversary time. Yeah, five years today since, um, since I gave in to your... Bribery. You sound delighted about this. Uh, uh, whatever. Um, yeah. <laughs> five, can can I just point out of... you're saying whatever, but you were the one who flagged this up to me about an hour and a half ago. Yeah, whatever. Um, yeah, I mean, obviously, it's been you know, it's been a mostly enjoyable time. Um, really, I'm sure. Um, I said mostly. Mm, um, Prized at that stuff. Some great memories being at Wembley, and you know, speaking to some genuine legends of the game. Uh, and Ollie, and Ollie, um, has been great. Um, yeah, here's to the next two months. I've, I've, I thought you would you would you would have said, and Ollie, it's been fantastic. Like not just you know, I've made some great, and Ollie, like it doesn't sound right. You know what I mean? Or, like, I didn't want to give you too much praise, mate. It's, it's, it's a bit wrong, but let's let's do it again. Let's do it again. <laughs> Okay. Try again in that one. Yeah, I think Mark would have been persuaded, Ollie, if he'd heard last week's story from you about tripping over in front of 52,000 people. Oh. Do you not, do you not remember this at all? Only no, happened seven days ago, mate. No, it, it goes quick, you know. I, I move on. I move on fairly quickly, you know. Was it definitely you? No, it wasn't me. It was <laughs> someone else. Someone else. Anyway, happy anniversary, Mark. Um, nicely coincided as well with it being our final episode of the season tonight. I say season, we haven't been going throughout the season, but only 20 weeks or so, which feels like about four years with everything that's going on in the world. But uh, mm. so, so does recording each episode. So. Uh, well, if that's <laughs> it does actually go on for 20 years. Um, <laughs> doesn't feel like it at all. Um, it's good to have you both here. Obviously, Daz can't make it tonight, but uh, fantastic to have you both back on. Just before we come on to the takeover, um, because we're going to be talking about that quite a bit tonight, big weekend of sporting comebacks. Arsenal coming from one down to beat Chelsea in the FA Cup final. Something that's very, very close to my heart. Not necessarily football, so maybe not necessarily right for this show, but uh, Leeds Rhinos in Super League coming from 20 points down with 18 minutes to play to beat Huddersfield Giants. I am still on the ceiling about that, by the way. Yes, I am interested in other sports apart from football. So, I thought for this week, for the final episode, for both of you, Mark, what's the best comeback you've ever witnessed? I already have a feeling of what you're going to go with. Ollie, what's the best comeback you've ever played in? 
Shall I go first? Yeah, I know where you're going with this. Um, I've got. I've actually got two. Uh, one yeah. that will probably annoy you, and one that won't. Um, <laughs> I'd say that the greatest one that I've seen would be um, Newcastle Arsenal, the the four four. Yeah. Um, never experienced anything like it in, in a football stadium. The atmosphere, the noise when when Chaktiotti scored that equaliser was, you know, that'll live with everyone who was at St James's Park for a long time. Yeah. Um, the second one, just because I like being a football romantic, was uh, Thierry Henry going back to Arsenal when mm. um, he obviously left to, to go to Barcelona and went to went back to Arsenal. Um, scored, I believe he scored at the Stadium of Light, didn't he? His, his yeah. last goal. Um, but the one that he scored against Leeds in the in the FA Cup. Um, one of my favourite players of in the Premier League era, um, and to see him go back to the club by. You know, he created so many memories. To create another one was was amazing. So yeah, but primarily, I'd say the the, the four four Newcastle Arsenal. It was incredible. Mm. That's the one I thought you were going to say. But a great shout on the Henri comeback. That finish as well was so typically Henri against Leeds. One nil in the FA Cup third round, I think it was. Um, just think, unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. For me, yeah, that that one's going to be is going to be remember for being yeah. one of the greatest. Um, but. There's one that I'm not so pleased about is the uh, it was probably last year or the year before we played Man U, right? Winning 2 0 up after after 20 minutes, yeah. And they scored it, they came back and scored the, the, the 90 93rd minute, I think, yeah, it was um, to win 3 2. Mm-hmm. Um, that was quite 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 painful to watch because you could see it happening, yeah. And I soon, I think I'm on opening five minutes, we scored the first one, and then 15 minutes later, we scored yeah. the second one. And I thought in my in my head, nah, nah, we scored way too quick, <laughs> especially <laughs> Old Trafford. <laughs> and then and then uh, and then all of a sudden, everybody was in the box defending, yeah. and nobody wanted to. to oh, and nah, this is final one half, no chance. <laughs> and uh, nah, it was painful. I thought we'd uh, draw two two and last second of the game. We conceded that uh, that was painful to watch. What about games you've played in, Ollie? Like, is there anything that sticks out from your playing career? Like, either a good version of a comeback for yourself, or or a really horrible one to reflect. No, it's never it's never been a, a comeback. We either um, smashed team, or we 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 got smashed. <laughs> and the famous one is probably uh, Man United, where where we we lose three. Yeah, three five to Man U, but yeah. but throughout that game, we we had the feelings that we were gonna win. Mm. But at the end, you end up you end up you know uh, losing that game, and everybody's thinking why, how? Because yeah. yeah. uh, we fell in control all the time. But every time they had a, they had an opportunity to score, um, so yeah, it was it was just that. Can I can I throw a couple in that? I can remember from Ollie's time yeah, yeah. as a player. Uh, firstly, I would say uh, Leeds away when um, Newcastle were three-one down uh, with I think about twenty-five minutes left and one-four-three. And obviously, Lono scored last minute. Uh, took Newcastle top the league. Took took Newcastle top the league at Christmas. The second one as a as a group stage in the Champions League, losing the first three games, uh, and then coming back to qualify for the second stage. Uh, or the second group stage, as it was then. Mm. Uh, I don't, and there's only one team done that since, so 
There is. It was wrongly reported earlier on, either this season or last season, that Newcastle, that uh, was it Atlanta who'd done it, mm. but then it was Atlanta had done it to made it through to the knockout rounds rather than the second group yeah. stage, like you rightly said, was what Newcastle did. No, um, we were we were the only one um, until until then. Yeah. Uh, Since yeah, proud, proud, proud. <laughs> yeah, absolutely insane. Well, just one more on comebacks because I, I don't know if you. Th this is the slightly more jovial one. Uh, the wonderful and uh, quite frankly unique Johnny Nicholson on uh, Football Three Six Five has written an article today uh, about how he watched the FA Cup final with his partner Dawn. Um, uh, Dawn uh, has been quite honest and said she doesn't care about football, not interested in it as such. And he's asked her to watch the final and, and get her kind of reaction from someone who doesn't really watch the game. And, and some, of the, some of the comments that she makes are absolutely sensational. And I must say, quite accurate. Is that normal or is he especially rubbish, shall we say? Uh, she thought that Mason Mount looked like he had a cat on his head. Things like that. So what I want to... <laughs> hence the haircut I think it's down to, but anyway. Um, what I want to know from you guys is, have you ever watched a game before where you've been watching it with someone who has made some, quite frankly, the ludicrous... Mark's looking around to see where Jacqueline is right now, just in case that a broom comes around and hits him around the head. Um, but ever watched it with someone who have made ridiculous comments during a game? Can you remember a time on that? Every Saturday. Honestly, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. every Saturday, whether, whether I'm, in a, um, I'm at the stadium or, or, or in the pub, uh, with the boys, there's always you always got that someone who, who who's just a supporter, knows nothing about the game, and he's just come out with comments. You're just like, oh come on! I just I just roll my eyes, like I close my eyes, like I count to five, and then and then I keep watching the game. Like it's just like, just annoying sometimes. Yeah. Do they ever see you, Ollie, and uh, reckon, obviously recognise you? And, like make the comment and go, hey, hey, Ollie, you agree with me? Do you? You agree? <laughs> Quite often. <laughs> Quite often we'll have, we'll, have a, we'll have a little debate uh, on how things could have, you know, should have been and, uh, you know, end up uh, losing track of the game more often than not. But, yeah, it does, it does happen. <laughs> We've all been there, mate. Mark, what about yourself? Uh, bearing in mind that your, your wife is completely out of earshot right now. Yeah, she is, but I'm, I'm not going to do that. Um, so, um, yeah, uh, for a whole season... I had someone sitting behind me who every time uh, the opposition got over the halfway line used to go, are oh, they going to score here? Like, literally, I mean, it would be fine. So it was just... Sorry constant. about that, mate. That was me. Yeah, well, yeah. Um, but yeah, that, that got quite irritating after a while. But you get them in every ground where there's, there's people who um, throw out senseless comments and ludicrous comments. But uh, it's all part of the fun of the game, isn't it? Isn't it just? It reminds me of a. I don't know if either of you managed to watch the Fast Show when it was on in, in its pump in the 1990s. Football. Uh, Thompson. Yeah, <laughs> the Arsenal fan um, who just used to shout out random cliches uh, at the game. Always reminds me of that fantastic program, fantastic episode. Right. Thank you very much, guys. We're, we're going to go into the show now. Uh, the final. Arsenal fans are like that, by the way. No, probably not necessarily, but hopefully not. Thankfully, Arsenal aren't uh, in the northeast, so we're all right with that one. Um, <laughs> Not necessarily, anyway. Uh, just a reminder to everyone, you can watch it on YouTube, on Facebook, as per usual, or we keep trying to divert your attention away to our podcast because that is the direction as we ease 
touch wood, lockdown restrictions over the next couple of months. That is the direction we want this to go in more towards podcasts, which is available on SoundCloud, iTunes, and Spotify as well. So like us, subscribe to us, get listening, and get watching. Which leads me on to the big news of the last few days. It is, of course, the Newcastle United takeover. The Saudi Arabian consortium ending its bid to buy Newcastle United. It was understood the public investment fund just simply ran out of patience with the Premier League. But as ever with this story in the past 17 weeks, this saga, there's been all sorts of rumours either way as to the reason for the collapse. Some maintain it may well still be on. Others claim that American Henry Morris is waiting in the wings. Just before we come on to our first guest, guys, who is very, very important tonight because it's going to be a key figure with regards to it. Just, Ollie, first, your reaction to, to, to the last few days? Yeah, quite surprised. Quite surprised. I knew they were coming uh, this week mm. because, uh, because I had the interview the, the, the previous week. And yeah. uh, you know, when I did tweet, um, it was in regards that you know, they were coming to Newcastle. Um, to sort it out, um, but it turned out to be to be uh, to be a nightmare mm. um, because that's the last thing you you want for the club. Uh, I think every, everybody was ready, um, you know, to, to, to see the new um, the new chairman taking taking position. Yeah. Um, the problem we have now, um, I, I I find it difficult. For 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 uh, Saudi to to um, to let it go, yeah. For the, for the simple reason that they, they they have put a bit of money. Yes, it's nothing for them, but they still have put money to to secure um, you know discussion and and, mm. and completion. So yeah. for me, for me, I'm, I'm a bit sceptical in terms of it's not it's not over until it's over. And for me, you know, they said they fed up. You know, they. they They've, I still think um, there could be a deal. You still think it could be on, Mark? Where yeah. do you stand on this one? It's a difficult one at the moment because, mm. by all accounts, the Premier League haven't been informed that the deal has been pulled from, well, at the yeah. time of recording anyway. Yeah. Um, it's, it's a tough one because the, the worst case scenario is Newcastle uh, facing up to another year of, of Mike Ashley, who I think it'd be fair to say um, has has lost, if not all, the vast majority of interest in the club. And, you know, I don't think the, I think the phrase that's been used is the club wiping its own nose. It'll probably have to do that in terms of going forwards in the transfer market as long as he's owner. So yeah. the, the money that the club has created will be the money that Steve Bruce will have to spend, which won't be as much as it might have been, certainly won't be as much as it was before COVID. Yeah. In terms of the takeover itself, um, it's, it's at a, a weird stage now because we are just looking where it's going to go next. Yeah. If there is still interest from the Saudis, a lot of people saying that. Yeah. The best thing I think would be now, firstly, for the Premier League to come out and, and give clarification on uh, where the uh, fit and proper persons test is at. Um, give some explanations to Newcastle fans uh, and to to the wider Premier League community as well, because there is a lot of interest in this in this role. Um, my problem is there's been a lot of noise around the takeover, and and that's unhealthy for anyone. Yeah. There needs to be just the only people who are saying anything should be the parties involved, the selling uh, party, so Mike Ashley, the buying party, the consortium, and the Premier League. They are the only people that should be involved in this. Yeah. I would like to say it's great to see that the the potential buyers have 
made contact with Newcastle supporters to try and forge a link there. But at the moment, we're in a horrible, um, and I mean the, the Royal We, are in a, a weird situation where we just don't know what's going to happen next. But as I say, I don't think a period of quiet from the uh, potential owners would be a bad thing right now. Yeah. Um, just to let things settle and then see where we go forward, if nothing else, just to let, as I say, just to let things settle. There's been too much noise, that's similar as that. And I mean from everyone, by the way, I don't yeah. just mean from the parties involved. There's been a lot of rumour on Twitter and a lot of yeah. speculation. It's just not helpful for anyone. Yeah, it's it's going on and on and on still. I mean, I've sorry, Ollie, go on. Wonders will never cease. We've lost Olivier Bernard's audio, which is absolutely superb music. Oh, really? Don't do that for all oh, sorry. episodes. There I, he is. I really <laughs> fear. I really fear that um, that yeah, another season under Mike Cashley would would um, would see the club going going um, going down. I think I think that's 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 how I see things. Um, there's not going to be that many players who would want to stay under 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 Mike uh, Mike Cashley. Yeah. Uh, because he hasn't got any ambition and he's, he's prepared to sell. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm very, in that sense, you know, I, I want it to happen. Uh, it's difficult, yeah, difficult well, time. Let's, I know we've both talked about the fans there in particular, and Mark, you, you half-referenced it there, but obviously Newcastle United Supporters Trust have become heavily involved in this. Um, and they claim that, you know, they've spoken to Amanda Staveley as well with regards to it. So I'm delighted to say that joining us this evening is uh, one of the board members for the Newcastle United Supporters Trust. And uh, that is Greg Tomlinson back on the show. I can't remember how long it was ago. Are, are we talking in weeks? Are we talking in takeover terms? I'm not entirely sure because that was clearly decades ago that the takeover talk started. Greg, great to see you, mate. Um, a really daft question, but how are you getting on, eh? <laughs> Hi, hi, good to see you. Yeah, it was right at the start of coronavirus uh, uh, lockdown, I think, because I haven't had a haircut since. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, 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 it was right at the start of all of the talk around the, around yeah. the takeover. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right at the start of coronavirus, right at the start of takeover talk, which uh, both have been going on for far too long uh, than any of us would have wanted. Greg, obviously we have you on to talk about it because developments over the last four or five days you know, prevalent in the local news, prevalent in the national and international news now with regards to this takeover. Obviously, the Saudi Arabian consortium, well, apparently pulling out. We haven't heard anything from Premier League yet. Just firstly, I've asked Ollie and Mark this, but I just want to get your personal reaction as a fan and as a Newcastle United Sports Trust board member as to the developments last Thursday. Well, I think the, the main reaction really is, 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 is around actually what's gone on. So... Um, it's been clear throughout this process that, that football supporters and football fans don't matter to the Premier League and that, you know, people who are arguably the most affected uh, by a decision in terms of their club and, and are not regarding, you know, there are other people who are affected and impacted by what goes on here, but have, are at the bottom of the pile and have, have absolutely no say, really. And that, you know, our, our call really is that we want to understand what, what's gone on here and, and have some transparency, really, in terms of... Uh, in terms of what's gone on with the Premier League, because it just, you know, it, 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 it seems very odd that it's just gone into this 16, 17-week period of, of no comment, no comment, no comment, still no decision from the Premier League. The consortium have obviously pulled out, have made a statement saying they pulled out. So, so yeah, what does, what does that mean? I guess nobody really knows. But one thing we do know now, uh, seemingly for the first time properly, really, truly, 
is that the uh, Mike Ashley wants to sell the club and is willing to sell the club. Yeah, I suppose that is a positive out of it. Just again, Greg, before we, we kind of open things up here, we were just chatting before we brought you on about whether this is now dead in the water. There are some believing that there is still hope. There are others believing that, you know, attentions are going to be turned elsewhere to sell the club. Obviously, we've heard about Amanda Staveley talking with the Newcastle United Supporters Trust on a phone call. From your perspective, from the Supporters Trust, is this still on with regards to the Saudi Arabian takeover? Is it just postponed for now or is it indefinitely off, do you feel? So we can't talk for, 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 for the people who are trying to buy the club. Our chair, Alex, had a conversation with, uh, with Amanda Stavely uh, yeah. on Saturday. Um, we set that out in terms of what that conversation was. You know, she was um, you know, expressing, I guess, some, um, you know, her view in terms of the fans having a role here. Um, as, as she did when, in, in comments that were quoted to her in the, in the press over the last few days. So, yeah. yeah, I mean, can't really speak for her, but clearly, you know, um, time really is to try and get some answers from the Premier League. Just in terms of, you know, what's gone on, the clarity of their processes, it's almost like they've tried to just ignore it until it goes away, which really, you know, is not, is not good enough, is it? Mm. How much of an epitome of this situation do you think, is it, that... On the one side, we've got Lee Charnley saying Mike Ashley is still 100% committed to this deal. And mm -hmm. on the other hand, you've got Amanda Staveley and the Saudis saying it's game over. I mean, the confusion still reigns ultimately, doesn't it? Um, yeah, it does actually in that sense. Yeah, so, um, but equally, you know, there was some quotes over the weekend from people involved in the deal saying that if they could get it through the Premier League, they'd resurrect it tomorrow. So... Mm -hmm. You know, we, we, we don't really, you know, know the, the, the details there. But, you know, yeah. clearly there's a desire from all parties, buyer and seller, to do a deal. Um, you know, um, and it's obviously hit the, hit the buffers in this regard. But, you know, the main, the main one from us, again, is just to stand up for fans in the process, really, and to have some transparency into what, into what's gone on. You know, we, we took a decision to write as a trust to, to Richard Masters, um, you know, in favour of the takeover, based on the fact that 97% of our members told us that they wanted this to go ahead. Yeah. Um, you know, that says as much as anything that Newcastle fans are fed up and are very much in the anyone but Ashley camp. That's, that's mm. the main thing that says, I think. But, you know, um, so, you know, we want to call for unity across the whole of the North East just to demand answers from the Premier League yeah. about process. You know, there might be really good reasons why the Premier League don't want this takeover to go ahead. Yeah. And they might be very, much very legitimate. But so what, they, are, what, what they happened, need to tell us. What was the reason? We, well, we don't know, do we? No, but it's all, it's all hidden. I know. I know. Well, because there's been a multitude of reasons, hasn't there, been put out? I mean, obviously, the Saudi Arabian consortium said it, they were running out of patience. Obviously, piracy has been up there as one of the main reasons. You know, the logistics, who's going to be at, you know, actually leading the club and making the decisions, has been another one put forward. It's just confusion. But, but, but there is a need for clarity. That's what everyone's saying, isn't it? Yeah. That's why they must are trying to do this because we need clarity. If it has, if it was going to fail on piracy, then let people know, and then we can yeah. move on, or the adjustments can be made. If it is going to fall down on human rights, then let it let it, people know. There needs to be clarity, and this is a problem with the Premier League, and it's been a problem right the way through this process. I realise there are issues that they can't put out, and there is certain things that they won't be able to say because it is a confidential yeah. process. Yeah. Supporters are being, becoming increasingly marginalised in, in football, and this is just another example of it. We look at the decision to, you know, continue playing the Premier League. It's been done for money reasons. It's just 
increasingly supporters have been their their influence on the game is being lessened, and people like the trust are the ones that are trying to to give supporters a say and fair play to them because uh, I think they played this brilliantly over the last few days and and it's all with a view and I think we should say Greg I don't think it's to try and resurrect the deal it's purely to get clarity on where yep. where things are, are being delayed or where they're falling down. Uh, absolutely, uh, you know, I couldn't agree more with what you said there, Mark. And, and really, thank you for those comments because you know we are just you know we're a bunch of volunteers who are helping lead this organisation of ten thousand people in our spare time, and all we're really fighting for here, we're not going in to support anybody here. We just want we just want clarity and answers yeah. on a process where where the last ones to know. And you know, football fans are the ones who you know. Without football fans, what is what is a game of football? You know. We've we've seen what it's like at the moment with it with coronavirus, but you know we don't have you know football, and by no means are Newcastle fans alone in this. You know I, I have a, a good friend at work who's a Charlton Athletic supporter. Yeah. You know the treatment they've had from some horrific owners has been uh, diabolical. Look what's just happened at Wigan Athletic. I mean horrific. You know uh, and Sheff- Sheffield Wednesday as well. And I think you know the Premier League need to come out here. And if they're in, you know, if they are ready, like you just said, if they are going to turn down this takeover. And, and they're playing a key role and they're saying, look, we're here to safeguard your football club from something. Then they need to come out and say it. Mm. Um, but they can't just hide behind this wall of a, of, a, of, a, of a confidential process completely. And yes, everybody's really excited about this takeover because of what it may bring, you know, in terms of, a, a, um, you know, the, the wealth that it may bring. Yeah. But, you know, Newcastle United needs, needs an owner that will care for it and will strive for it to be the best and you know that doesn't need the most wealthy uh, group in the whole wild world it just needs somebody with sufficient wealth and sufficient you know um i guess ambition to actually run it properly that's, and I suppose, that's, what, that's what we need just to interject that on that point greg there's been a few stories in the last couple of days almost like sharks circling a carcass of multiple people who might be interested. Obviously, obviously, Henry Morris has been at the, the forefront of it. There was another billionaire I saw linked with the club today. From a Newcastle fan perspective, the fact that you know this has come so close with the Saudi Arabian consortium, so close to being one of the richest clubs in the world, would it matter regarding who Newcastle United are eventually, hopefully, sold to, bearing in mind the riches that could have been there, or does it really not matter as long as you say, like, there, that there is well, ambition there for the club? Uh, to me, it, it, does, it doesn't, but to a lot of people it will, I suspect, yeah. by yeah. the reaction, um, you know. But, um, uh, you, know, I think we, you know, I think that's what I said at the beginning. So many people now, understandably, are in the, the anyone but Ashley camp because of how bad he has, you know, run the club, be it renaming St. James's Park, no investment, sports direct everywhere, you know, so... But but no, it doesn't necessarily. You know, if there is someone who can come along and do a deal and pass the tests tomorrow, and will you know develop the club, will invest in the infrastructure, and will build that on properly and sustainably, you know, then then great. Um, but equally, you know, we're just going to have to wait and see. It does, you know, it does sound like a missed opportunity, um, particularly around the investment in the region. It sounds yeah. like these guys were really keen to you know really invest in the region, the Rupin. Brothers have property, they own the race course and all of that. So um, we just have to wait and see. But Oli, you, you still have... Sorry. Looking, looking at that, Craig, do you not think there's a bit of jealousy? Um, you know, when, when we talk about the Premier League and the takeover, like, and everybody, everybody, you know, I feel like it's pure jealousy more than a, 
than uh, tourists. Tourist, um... I think there's a fair bit of that, and I think geopolitics has clearly come into it. Um, the um, you know, being the, the president chairman of BN Sports write, wrote to all of the 19 Premier League clubs urging them to uh, object to the deal, you know. So um, I think you've always been up against it in, in, in that regard. Um, but yeah, it seems to be, uh, you know, just look at the, you know, ended up in the World Trade Organization. There's a massive dispute between um, Qatar and, and Saudi Arabia. Um, that's ongoing. Um, and this is, seems to have got stuck in a bit of that, I think. Yeah, and it's 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 also sorted out. I mean, just following on from what you were saying there, Ollie, you know, these other nineteen Premier League clubs, so Liverpool and Tottenham were the two clubs that were, you know, written down on paper as being vocal against this potential deal. What sort of knock on effect eventually when fans are allowed back inside the stadium, Greg, do you think that that's going to have with because there's going to be quite a bit of animosity you would expect from Newcastle fans knowing <laughs> that Liverpool and Tottenham opposed it, surely. Um, potentially, yeah, that's an interesting one because I was thinking about this the other day, actually. And I think if if you're a Premier League club owner, actually, you were, I would have thought the majority of club owners actually would be in favour of this deal because, yeah, um, fundamentally, as businessmen, they'll be looking at at some point I need to get out of this football club and I need someone to pay me top whack, and I want the whole pool of buyers available to me when I need to get out and I need yeah. some money, which might happen. You know, it sounds like Mike Ashley really wants three hundred million quid right now. Yeah. Um, with what he's got on going on in his other business areas, you know. So, um, but yeah, what, what will that mean in the in the in the future? I guess we'll wait and see. Depends where where it goes. But um, you know, I think we we'll probably reach out to to their trusts actually um, and and see and see their views um, as as other other trusts um, really. But yeah, it's a funny one, isn't it? That's with regards to the clubs. What's the trust's next steps? Do you feel in terms of, obviously, you know, you speak about Alex Hurst, the chair, speaking to Amanda Stavely over the weekend. What is next on the agenda now? Or is it simply a case of waiting and seeing if the Premier League replies? Oh, no, I think, uh, you know, we have to unite and have to come together and really push forward and look to get answers. So um, we had a board meeting yesterday. We're meeting every night this week um, to try and work through a plan. One of the key things we need to do is to try and find a, a way to get our members more involved in the, uh, in the day-to-day running. So we've got some ideas coming there. We're hoping uh, to be in a position to have a big uh, online uh, meeting type thing, um, 500 odd people live streamed on YouTube um, at some point, um, that type of thing. Um, we're working on all of those things um, and then, you know, keep trying to push that. Um, I don't know if you saw today that we had the news from the um, independent football ombudsman. Yes, um, easy for you to say. Um, that the, they have no, uh, they have no jurisdiction here, but they will advise the Premier League to come out and yeah. and, and say something. Yeah. So, um, yeah, looking, you know, and I think really, you know, the Newcastle fan base has, um, you know, has its ways and it has its, you know, it has its, um, you know, divisions at times. And um, the one thing I've learned from being involved in the trust and other activity I got involved with in in the past is that it. It can be a bit of a poison chalice. You, you put your head above the parapet and you just get a lot of abuse at times yeah. um, when you're actually just giving up your free time to try and strive for the best for, yeah. for your fellow fans. And, you know, that time, that, that, all of that has to just go. Everyone needs to come together. Ideally, that's through the trust. We are the only organisation that is formally, you know, formally constructed, formally regulated. You know, we, we have directors. We report to... Uh, various uh, bodies, you know, our accounts are audited, they're published, you know, it's all transparent. If yeah. you don't like what the board is doing, vote us off at the next election, you know, but 
tight and do it yourself. But, you know, it's time to really unite behind one banner and try and push for answers for the supporters. And I think it's that word, isn't it? United, ultimately. Divided, get nowhere. United, every chance Absolutely. of uh, be succeeded. Listen, Greg, we really appreciate your time because I, I know, obviously, it's voluntarily as, uh, done as well. So we appreciate it. I'm not just tonight, but earlier on. So it, it's almost like bookending the entire saga <laughs> with yourself there. So thank you very much for both of your appearances this season, mate. And I'm, I'm sure come the start of 2020-2021 in September, uh, we'll be straight back on the phone to you again and booking you back in, where I'm sure there's been seven or eight twists and turns before that. Yeah, might, might have had a haircut by then. So. <laughs> Don't think. you it. looks good on you. Cheers, guys. Have a good show. Top man. Take it yeah. easy, Greg. See you later. That's, of course, uh, Greg Tomlinson from the Newcastle United Supporters Trust. Uh, guys, just... A couple of quick final ones on this before we finally move on from Newcastle Tech. I, I, for one, am delighted for a few weeks just away from it personally, but don't know about you. Just looking at the future or immediate future for Newcastle, we kind of touched upon this before. How concerned are you for the club with the state that it is in right now without any prospective takeover going on after this, quite frankly, draining affair over the last 17 weeks? Come back to the word clarity, don't we? And, and you know, we don't know what's happening at the club. I know that it's kind of the business as usual mantra has been put out there. There are players being linked. Um, you know, there's, there's a number of players being linked today. So you presume that you know transfer business is ongoing uh, yeah. in whatever way that is. Um, as I said earlier, I think away from the club, there just needs to be a little bit of a period of contemplation and, and reflection on what's gone on. Then the supporters trust clearly doing there. A bit to try and get clarity from the FA, uh, from sorry, from the Premier League. Mm. Um, one thing I would say is maybe Newcastle fans should shy away from pushing the uh, comments made by a certain former editor of a, a newspaper <laughs> today. Um, that's, that's personal feelings yeah. uh, on that. Um, I'm glad what, you didn't mention his name though. Thanks. Yeah, for yeah that. I'm, not, I'm not. I don't even want to mention the paper he, he wrote. He was editor of. But no, I just think for the football club now, there's a need for someone to take leadership, whether that's Steve Bruce or Lee, John Lee, and, and really try and navigate through the next four or five weeks ahead of the new Premier League season, you know, refresh the squad. There is clear deficiencies in that squad that need looked at. There are loan players that there are decisions need to be made. Personally, and this is just personal opinion, I don't think there's any loan player there that I would actually bring in permanently. Um, I think they need to look elsewhere. So there is a, a responsibility for the main decision makers at Newcastle now to get that squad and get the club in a position to start the new season um, and to get them in a position to start the season on the front foot instead of what they have done recently where yeah. it's been uh, very much away from the front foot. It's been a slow start and um, yeah. that, that's kind of where it's at. Yeah, it is. Ollie, just final word from you on this. Uh, Steve Bruce has talked about wanting clarity. He wanted a decision being made towards the end of the season. A decision in some way, shape or form, regardless of who it was by, has seemingly been made. At least from a Steve Bruce perspective, if you put yourself in his shoes, at least he can now get on with preparing for the season rather than waiting until a week before the season for a decision to be made, surely. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah I'm, I was looking on the bright side there, mate. By your reaction, that's yeah. that's not a positive. <laughs> no, for for me, for me, the the clarity is is, is a top level. Yeah, you know, if there's no clarity in the office, then 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 you know your, your employees will be will be in the dark. Mm. Um, so so you know, it's 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 easy for us to to put a light into it. 
mm. and, and think that it's going to go well in terms of transfer windows. But, you know, as a manager, you always, you always want players that's going to gonna better your, your, your side. And, and uh, right now, you know, how much are we talking in transfer windows? Um, we're not, we, we haven't been given a number. Uh, to, to to say that we, we're going to spend X amount of money. I think it was rumoured about £35 million pounds plus player sales. So what, you're getting one player mm. or two 18 years old. So so where are we going with that? And and you're going to get, yeah, where, where do you need to strengthen? Uh, a few positions. And yeah. that's, you know, that's where, that's where the dilemma starts. Yeah. So, so for me, for me, you know, the, the, it's a nightmare in the sense that you know the club still belongs to to to, to Mike Ashley. He wants to sell, so he's got no, uh, you know, he's not going to invest in the club, and he's not going to, you know, be prepared to 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 to, uh, to do anything else. Yeah. Yeah. Um, to that point, for millions, I'm afraid it's, it's we're nowhere near. We're yeah. nowhere near. Even even the, the 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 bottom teams who went down, the Chelsea spend spend more than that. Mm. So so where are we going? You're gonna to have to sell players to get players, yeah. Uh, which which you're not better in your side. You just you know you maybe you're gonna have a better starting eleven, but then you'll have no subs. Yeah. Uh, you know it's 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 just awkward for me uh, to think that you know, under Macashley, I think will will go down this year. This year coming, you think Newcastle will go down? We'll go down, yeah. We'll be in the bottom three, easy. I think that the level of money that's spent isn't important. It's that whatever level of money is spent is spent in the right way. So, you know, Ollie is right. If you're going to go and get a top-class player, then you're probably going to have to spend over 30 million, 25 million. But if you can find the right player for cheaper, and that's where it comes down to Newcastle's scouting department, which, you know, has been, we could say, hitty-missy recently. But... (laughs) There, there are, yeah. um, you know, there are players out there that are available. Someone like Ryan Fraser is available on free, would yeah. be a good signing. There are apparently loan play of players available for loan that they could bring in. Um, I think Callum Wilson's been linked. I think he would be a massive improvement, massive upgrade. On what they, if they're going to be looking, they just got forty million for Ake. They'd be looking at twenty-five. Yeah. Well, fair enough, but then there are players that will go out in Newcastle as well that have maybe just come to the end of the time. I, yeah. I just think as well that there may be a good chance for some of the younger players at the club to step up um, and maybe fill squad spaces as well. So I, I don't think it's necessarily a case of we have to spend 50, 60, 70 million mm. if you're a Newcastle fan. It's a case of can that money, whatever is spent, be spent the right way? Spent wisely. Well, that's tell you what, to, that's me trying to be positive. <laughs> no, I'm delighted you were, mate, because that means I can leave the takeover talk on a positive note. Because I don't want to go back to Ollie looking mad, look at his face right now. <laughs> yeah, it didn't work. Honestly, it didn't work. We can turn it and put it in a better way, but in the end of the day, 30 billion is one player. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it was it, what was bid for Bubakari Samari back in January, if reports were like well, We managed to spend 40 millions on um, Joe Linton. Mm. Um, and, and I think, you know, it's one signing we, we'll make out of that, of that money. Yeah. And that, that's the problem. Because if we do that, then, then, uh, then, then you know, it's hit and miss again. Yeah. So, so yeah, it was a miss. I think Joe Linton will come out and, and be a better player. Um, at some point, hopefully, cross fingers, um, and 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 you, you need to rely on, the, on, on another signing. 
Yeah. Uh, I don't like it when you're not upbeat, Ollie. I know, I know you. I know why. And you've got to be realistic at the end of the day. And we're, we're here to talk I, facts rather than. That's, you know, that's the problem. Problem. The the fact is, we we we. I'd be surprised if we win a, you know, because because what I know is that is that the players who are here now, the better players will be gone. Mm. Yeah, well, that's a fact. There's a there's a long time ago. I mean, I say a long time. Five weeks sounds a long time, but it, it probably isn't in the football sense. Uh, before <laughs> the start of a new season, you need the players in. You need to bed them into pre-season. You need to get them set up in the system. It's hardly any time, is it, to get everyone prepared? So, Newcastle, you imagine it's going to be quite busy around St James's Park, or not, as the case may be, before the start of the new season. And who knows? There might still be twists and turns with regards to the takeover. Uh, all I can say is I'm half delighted and half not delighted that we shan't be talking about it every single Monday night because it has, quite frankly, become very, very boring indeed, uh, as I'm sure everyone involved at Newcastle United would say as well. But uh, let's move on. We talk transfers. Nice sachet into Middlesbrough because they've been busy, or Neil Warnock has been busy, obviously, taking on as, new, as Middlesbrough manager. Got Newcastle on the brain now, haven't I? Uh, taking on as Middlesbrough manager uh, and straight into the transfer side of things. Um, I think he said last week, I've told, I've contacted every single player that I want. I expect an answer back to them, uh, back from them by Monday. If I don't hear from them, I move on to the next target. Very decisive, as you'd expect from Warnock. First one in through the door is Grant Hall uh, from QPR, who left QPR. That's a pretty decent sign in that, Mark, in terms of the leadership defensive stability and solidity that he brings and the experience that he has in the championship as well. So I think the key word is the last one he used there, it is experience of the championship. And I think what Neil Warnock will do throughout the summer is identify players that can bring experience of that level to work along the, the very promising youngsters that they've got in that Middlesbrough squad. Um, but it's this decisive nature of Warnock that will benefit Middlesbrough this summer. You know, they, they can't have anything hanging over from last season when, um, I should point out I was the only one that tipped him to stay up on here a couple of weeks ago. Um, I had confidence that his his been pessimistic. His, his, yeah, I always think that uh, or thought that his his nous of the championship and getting results at tough places yeah. would keep them up. There are still a lot of very talented players in that Middlesbrough squad, but admittedly there are some that are coming towards the end of the time at the club have maybe just uh, overstayed the welcome a bit. So I think there is a need for a refresh, and what better manager to have at the championship level? Than, yeah. than Neil Warnock to, to really give them a chance of um, at very least heading towards mid-table next season if not higher There's a uh, lot of talk of Grant Hall being made captain as well potentially next I season I think it would be a, it'd be a good decision you know you look at what he did at QPR the, the role he had there um, I just think this is the sort of signing that shows that Warnock means business mm. um, it's maybe not an eye-catching one in that people oh. could have expected a you know, maybe one of his former players. That's a bit more. Um, what's the word? A bit more eye-catching. Warnocky. Um, Warnock. Let's not use that word. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I just think it's um, it's a sort of signing that signals that Middlesbrough won't be messed around next season as they maybe could have yeah. been this year. And uh, I wouldn't be surprised if we see four or five more like this. Just on uh, Grant Hall, Ollie. Before we we move on to Sunderland, um, is it? Well, with any club, I suppose, with any signing, once a player leaves a club to go to another one, how good is it for a supporter of the club where the player is arriving to see the reaction from the supporters of the other club? Because there was a lot of supporters from QPR saying, we shouldn't be letting him go. We should, he shouldn't be going. We should be trying to keep hold of him, etc. It shows how much of an impressive player Hall is and what he can do for Middlesbrough, doesn't it? 
he's, he's a reference, you know, he's yeah. a reference in the championship and he, you know, he, he's played at, you know, at the highest level, yeah. know, know what to do and how to do it. You know, he's one of them players that you, that you, you put on the pitch and regardless of away or home, he'll play the same the same way and, and score that goal if you give him the opportunity. Yeah, uh, it's probably what 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 Middlesbrough um, needs uh, yeah. right now. Yeah. And um, you know, I'm I'm pleased. I'm pleased. But as supporters, you know, <laughs> when you've got your supporters who are unhappy, you know that that you're leaving. They, you know, they see quality. You know, yeah. the fans see the quality that they're and and they've lost a big, a big player. Not only on the pitch, but probably the, the experience that that he could have uh, brought to the to, to the team. The squad. Four, and four or five more of them, and Middlesbrough fans will be even more delighted. I think uh, by the start of the season, which we did mention last week, the Championship next season. By the way. What on earth is that going to be like with the teams in there? Now we know it's Watford, Bournemouth and Norwich all the way down. Obviously, then you chuck Wickham into the mix. You chuck the, you know, the ones that survived. Then the ones that aren't going up. Brentford or Fulham are going to be in there at some, you know, one of them, definitely. So, uh, yeah, the Championship is going to be a very intriguing league to watch once again next season, as it seems to be every single campaign. Busy at Borough, busy at Sunderland as well. Phil Parkinson being very, very decisive early on. I know we've talked very negatively about Sunderland in the last few weeks. It's quite difficult not to, I suppose, with all the, uh, you know, all the goings on over there at the Stadium of Light. But they have been busy. Aidan O'Brien, firstly, I want to talk about. Striker in from Millwall. Great experience. I think he got Millwall up from League One, actually. A good, good signing that for Sunderland, isn't it, Matt? It is, again. We talk about experience at that level. He clearly brings that. Um, we should mention the, the uh, little dig that Sunderland's social media team had at uh, uh, Newcastle's expense with the announcement of this signing. But we shouldn't take away from what is a very good signing. You know, a little bit like Warner, Phil Parkinson knows League One. He knows what's needed. Um, it feels like a very League One-style signing, the sort of player that will um, possibly get you out of that division, but maybe will not make it at the level above. Um, I think Sunderland now, they need to make more signings like this. Um, I know they've brought in another uh, one or two. and, and They do need a goalkeeper as well, I should yes. say, John McLaughlin going. Yeah. I know they've still got Burge, but I think they need someone um, to really challenge or be the number one. Mm. Um, so there's a lot of work still to do for Phil Parkinson. And again, and I hate comparing Newcastle with Sunderland, but there is a, a situation with the ownership at Sunderland as well where yeah. nobody kind of knows what's going on with that at the moment. So... It's a tough one for Parkinson this summer because of the um, the cloudy nature of what's going on in the background. Mm. Um, but again, he can navigate them through this. I think you saw signs last season that he was starting to get things uh, yeah. right and he was starting to get his methods and his style of management over to his players. But again, there is a lot of work needs done on that Sunderland squad um, and there isn't much room for manoeuvre for him. No, but one thing that we have to say is we, we've all of us have been relatively negative in terms of how can Sunderland attract players to the stadium of like, given the chaos that is taking place off the pitch. Bailey Wright plays five games on loan from Bristol City last year, and Phil Parkinson's managed to persuade him to sign a full-time deal at Sunderland. That, that's a pretty big coup for Sunderland, isn't it, Ollie, at League One level? And it shows that still sometimes they can attract big, bigger-name players, shall we say. Of course, it all goes with the, with the manager. You know, if the manager is confident in what he's saying and the plan that he's got for the for the football club or the the, the, the football team, yeah. then then you'll have players who are interested into the challenge. Yeah, you know, 
but you need to be that kind of manager to bring to bring the attention to the player and and make sure they stay with you. So yeah. it must be it must be a good uh, they must have clicked um, really well. I think they did, and he's a, he's a superb player as well, Bailey, right? Well, I think the, the big thing to say is, you know, Sunderland's a big club at that level, a massive yeah. club at that level. Let's be honest here. And if if the financial they, they, right, does <laughs> does is an ear, Ollie. Does is an ear. <laughs> you know, if if Sunderland can get the financial package right for a player, yeah. they'll be able to attract more uh, more of that caliber. Yeah, um, he clearly made an impression, but more more so, the, the club clearly made an impression on him. So. Yeah. Um, again, there will be a need for more signings of his calibre. Mm. Um, I hope that's that's an accidental of the own, Ollie. Um, <laughs> no, 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 sorry. There is a need for more players like that, but it shows that Parkinson is getting his say in the transfer market um, and, and you know, hopefully it will continue over the next few weeks. A lot of work to be done, like you rightly say, to that squad. Um, a lot of repair and uh, hopefully, like you say, Phil Parkinson can work his magic. Exciting times for Middlesbrough and Sunderland. Interesting, shall we say, I think is the best way to describe the times at Newcastle. Let's go down the leagues, though, finally, before we move on to our, uh, our final act of the, of the campaign and act of the season. Any other business in the lower leagues? Um, we talk signings. There's been a big one in terms of an attacking signing at South Shields, man. Uh, there's been a big one in terms of a defensive signing, I think. Sorry, know. defensive. I'm still talking <laughs> about Aidan O'Brien here. At, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll say that's end of season fatigue. Um, I, I, just because I don't show it like Ollie and Yawn doesn't mean I'm not tired. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, and linked to Sunderland as well, Jordan Hunter, yeah. uh, former Sunderland under 23 defender, um, yeah, yeah. rejected a, a one year deal to stay at Sunderland. Um, it was a one year deal with the option of a further year. Yeah. Um, but has signed a three-year contract at South Shields, which is a, a major sign of their intent. Um, Jordan, for me, is someone who could com- play, comfortably play a football league. Um, I said that a number of times last season. Um, he came through Liverpool's academy, uh, went to, uh, sorry, went to Sunderland, did well in their 23s, had a great loan spell mm. at South Shields last year. Um, I took part in the Northern Premier League's uh, podcast to decide their team of the year. Yeah. And Jordan was overwhelmingly voted as as the, the best right back in that division. Yeah. Um, I see no reason why he won't be the best right back in that division yet again next season. Um, and it's two good pieces of business from South Shields because they've already brought in Miles Borney from Blackpool, who impressed Dan Long last year. So a good start to the summer for them. Mm, solid start. Um, and just one final one on, well, one final one for now on any other business. Hartlepool have been plumbing busy. From what I saw from the note you sent me before we started recording, five new signings in a Victoria Park. They certainly have, yeah. Dom, uh, Dom Skur, who's on the show, who covers Hartlepool for the for the mail, has been uh, has been busy. Mm. Um, a number of former players, uh, sorry, former loan players, have signed permanent deals. Mark Shelton, yep. the one that's probably the, the most known. Gary Little brings experience as well. Um, Josh McDonald as well, who not so long ago was on loan at Whitley Bay in the Northern League yep. uh, from Halifax Town. Um, he will bring uh, excitement. He's a good forward, very strong, very quick uh, and nimble. Um, so good signings and again, a good start of the summer. And I feel like I'm repeating myself and I apologise for that. But there is more work needed at Hartlepool. And I think uh, you know everyone will be aware of that. But in China, they've got someone who knows the league. Again, I keep saying that. Uh, but he is that calibre of manager. He is someone who will um, get the best out of players at that level. 
Mate, you've been on this show five years. Repetition is something that we've come to expect from you. That is true. <laughs> it's okay. Um, Repetition of talking sense, that's what it is. <laughs> really? 50 split, I think, on that one. <laughs> well, one of us has got it, Ollie. <laughs> <laughs> I wish we had a referee here. shouldn't I be doing that job anyway um, just uh, one final one before we go on to the Premier League team of the uh, well I just want to mention one uh, Spenny Moore uh, striker Glenn Taylor uh, named National League North team this season which is uh, a fair accolade indeed in terms of the quality that's taking on in National League North uh, but Glenn obviously banging away the goals once again and the only North East based player in the side uh, I gather so I would I would say that's harsh on a couple Um particularly Greg Ollie uh, at, uh, at, at Gateshead, um, Brad James, possibly at Gateshead as well, um, and also uh, Will Hatfield at Darlington had a great season. I think so, all three should have been in as well, alongside Glenn. Real chance, yeah, but, yeah. Um, you know, Glenn is comfortably one of the best strikers yes. at that level, someone I've got no doubt could do it higher as well, mm. um, and you know, his commitment to spending more is, is commendable. It's, it's obvious that he loves the club and the club love him, and why wouldn't they? Because he's just... He's the all-round striker. He's got a bit of everything, bit of pace, bit of power, good in the air. Um, the perfect National League North striker. Is indeed. Oli, we need we needed more signings for Durham on here. You know that, right? You did not worry about Durham's plan. <laughs> You're <laughs> keeping your cards close to your chest with regards to Durham's plans for the new season, mate. Please do not worry. You'll see the FA Cup. You'll see it in the, in the league. You do not worry. I don't want to talk too much because, you know, you can always lose players. But right now, my squad is, is strong. I don't think you need to talk too much. I can almost feel the confidence oozing through my webcam right now. <laughs> you can. You can. Trust me. <laughs> <laughs> I've never done nothing but trust you, my friends. So I think we'll be all right with that from a Durham perspective. Very finally, guys, last act of the season. We're going to rattle through this because uh, we've got about 10 minutes or so for it. Premier League Team of the Year. Now, we were judging whether to do this at the end of the episode or an extra football matters. We decided to do it, or I decided rather to do it all in one episode uh, because I feel that there's not going to be too many arguments between the two of you uh, mm. with regards to most of the positions here. We've got four. Probably not. Okay. No. <laughs> That's why I was absolutely delighted when Del said he couldn't make the show because I knew for a fact that the arguments are going to necessarily be cut out. Um, but um, we've gone for 4 3 3 with regards to the formation. So let's get straight into it. Premier League team of the year. Um, I'm especially interested in central midfield here. Uh, but we'll start with the goalkeeper, obviously. Mark, who have you got between the sticks? Well, I think it's kind of a toss-up between the top two in the league with yep. this one. So it's Edison or Allison. Um, I was going to go a bit different, go Nick Pope because I, I wondered what you were going to. I thought you were going to go and say Edison and Nick Pope, bearing in mind um, yeah. and sixteen clean sheets. I think the thing with, with Pope is he, he probably, uh, well, he unquestionably faces more shots than the other two. Mm. Um, but I just think in terms of the style of play of both Liverpool and Man City, their keepers are. Uh, have been vastly important to that. Yeah, uh, it's a toss of a coin, but I've gone for Edison. Um, but it, it, it could have easily been, easily been Allison. Yeah. Okay, Edison for you, Ollie. You you sounded on about Nick Pope. There. Yeah, I was. Uh, do you know what? I've watched him all season, and and he's, the quality is a real shot stopper. Yeah. Um, you know, yes, he's not. He's not your your your, your better um, players. Um, you know, playing football. Type very English in his way of um, of, of uh, goalkeeping, but yeah. uh, for me, it deserves to be to be amongst the the, the top three. 
definitely. I was, I was chatting to, um, well, we were doing the Burnley press conference the other week with Sean Dyche before Pope was, well, it was before the final day of the season and Pope was still in line to win the Golden Glove at that time. Um, and a reporter, a local reporter, asked Sean Dyche about Nick Pope and, you know, what attracted him to it. And Dyche's answer, typically Sean Dyche, shall we say, uh, he's bit, he was big and he stopped the ball from going in the net. And he had a pretty decent attitude for a young kid, <laughs> was his answer, uh, which I thought some Nick Pope up absolutely brilliantly, to be honest. Uh, so between Edison and Pope, you know what? I said right at the start of doing this team, I didn't want to go for the obvious every single time. I'm going to go Nick Pope. Edison has the Golden Glove, win, uh, Golden Glove trophy, so he can be content with that. Nick Pope gets the better option of winning all that as a player to be. I would say as well, he deserves the right to have a shot at being England's number one. Yes, he does. Yeah, he's he, is, he is the better English uh, goalkeeper in England. I'd, yeah. say, I'd say between him and Henderson now, if I'm honest. Yeah. I still think he's better. Yeah. I'm, I'm sure I'm, we had this argument when we talked about England <laughs> Euro 2021 team. <laughs> And then we went for Jordan Pickford. <laughs> then we went for Pickford anyway. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I must say, yeah, I agree. Pope is, is probably number one right now. But whether Southgate sticks with, him, uh, with Pickford or not remains to be seen. Uh, remember, before, remember when you said not to pick the obvious one, I've got a feeling the next one will be the obvious one. No, no, not necessarily. <laughs> <laughs> you might shout him out to be the obvious one. But yes, go on. Uh, let's go with the back four. Mark first from right back to left back. Well, I'm not having anyone else suggested at right back. It is Trent. It has to be He's probably the best young player. In, well, unquestionably the best young player in the league. Um, very boring here, but Robertson, Andrew Robertson at left back. Yeah. Um, exceptional season once again. Yeah. Uh, two centre backs: uh, Virgil Van Dijk, best centre back in the league, possibly. Well, and the world. Um, and beside him, just to go a little bit different, I've gone with Johnny Evans. Good. Good. Um, yes, like he's, had, he's had a good season at Leicester. Mm. Uh, played a big part in their push for Europe. Yeah. Uh, I was going to go um, very obvious and go for another top top player in, in the Champions League places, but I just think, yeah, for me, Johnny Evans. I just mm. model consistency. I like Evans. That's a that's a great shout for Evans uh, and different as well. Like you said, Ollie, any any advances on that back four? Mm. Pretty solid. No, we're not going to have too much argument over the left back and right back position with Van Dijk in the middle. Yeah, we, we could give a chance to uh, to maybe uh, what's his name, uh, Manchester uh, centre back uh, Maguire. Oh, Maguire, um, who has a decent. I, I didn't. I don't think he, he was as good as uh, his time as Leicester, but I think yeah. he holds. He, he hold that that Manchester defence and managed to 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 finish their finish in a decent position. Uh, so so I, I, I would think about him uh, as as you know that that back four at Manchester was was not great. No, it wasn't before you arrived. There is one name that I do want to throw into the mix in terms of centre backs. I, I even though I want to do things differently, you're both right. Trent Alexander Arnold, Andy Robertson, you, you would it's struggle to replace them. Connor Cody, yeah, I think has had an absolutely superb season quietly at Wolves, especially given the number of games that he has played and to skipper that side. And I like Johnny Evans as a shout, Matt. I thought it was a great shout. And he's, he's not only been impressive in terms of his own game, he's been impressive in bringing Chagalar Shounchu through as well. He was the other one I was going to mention. So yeah. He's had an excellent first season. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I think, to be honest, Cody or Evans would be a good shout yeah. on Van Dyke. 
Yeah. Um, tell you what, just because I'm not going to get my choice many of the time, and Cody is right up there. Although Evans, I mean, could. No, tell you what, we'll go. So we're going to go back for Trent Alexander Arnold, Virgil van Dijk, Connor Cody, and Robertson. So, we, you know, we needed someone in there. So, a midfield three. Ollie, let's come to you on a three. You can be as attacking or as defensive as you wish with regards to this. For me, um, Wijnaldum. Wijnaldum, okay. Yeah, Madison. Oh, <laughs> he is going different. This is why I went to Ollie first. This is tremendous. Right, go on. Madison and um, oh, I forgot his name now. I should have wrote it down, really. Um, Henderson. He's called, he's called uh, Kevin De Bruyne. <laughs> I was going to say one of the two, surely. <laughs> no, I was going to put him. Uh, no, I was going to put him in the front three. I think. I uh, oh, but yeah, yeah, I thought uh, that. Uh, yeah, yeah. If you if you want to put it in midfield, you have no problem. I'll have him anywhere. He can yeah, play. No. You'd have him in goal, wouldn't you? <laughs> yeah. So, uh, so, yeah, De Bruyne. Yeah, top Go three. De Bruyne alongside. Good them. balance, good balance. I'm good balance, um, okay, interesting. Mark, what's your advances on a three? We'll throw out some honourable mentions as well. Obviously, De Bruyne um, yes. is, yeah. you know, the uh, player of the season. Henderson as well, just been outstanding this season. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Proper leader. Um, my third one, and I know it's a team of the season. And <laughs> Yeah. You know, I'm going with this. Going for, yeah. And yeah. you like to judge it over the, the whole season. Mm-hmm. But I think given the impact January. that was made when he signed uh, for Manchester United, yeah. uh, Fernandez has to be in. I just think he's took a very, I'm not going to say an average team, because that's doing a bit of disre- disrespect, but yeah. a team that was probably going to struggle to finish in European places. or, or you know, mm-hmm. He's just lifted them so much. He's got the best out of players around him. It's no coincidence that the likes of uh, your Martials and Rashfords and players like Greenwood, yeah. they've all improved because they've had him behind them. Um, so I'm always wary of putting in players who haven't played a whole season in the Premier League, mm-hmm. but I think his impact dictates that he has to be in that three. Good shout. Yeah, I, I thought you would come on for Fernandez. in fairness. Really? But, uh, I'm, I'm going to throw out some honourable mentions in there. John Egan at Sheffield United has yeah. had an absolutely wonderful yeah. season. Obviously, Sheffield United, very, very... Mm-hmm. You know, impressive campaign. Even though they just tailed off towards the end, can't knock them for the season. Uh, Pierre Emil Hoiberg at Southampton is my other one that I'd written down out of left field. Uh, Southampton were literally, I thought, dead and buried by October, November. John Matinho Wolves. Yeah, Matinho's in there without a shadow of a doubt. Uh, no, Matinho. Other Matinho. <laughs> Olive really against Matinho. <laughs> No, because no, he play, he play, he doesn't play more than an hour, and it's just nah. Yeah, what an hour though! It's a great hour. Yeah, <laughs> nah, nah, nah. <laughs> um, also, just as a, a kind of, and we have to talk about them a little bit, considering they've just won the FA Cup. Um, but one Arsenal midfielder who's vastly improved under Mikel Arteta. He started off like a house on fire, first two or three games of the season, dropped off, lost his place in the team, and under Arteta has become their real. Almost the oil that makes the machine tick. Bios. Um, I thought he was magnificent. No, not Jacker. Uh, I would go to Bios. Pepe. I wouldn't put him in midfield. I'd be, I'd be worried about him in midfield. But yeah, yeah. Pepe maybe towards the wingers. But no, I think Sabios uh, was magnificent against Chelsea. I really, really do. Obviously, all but he's a good player. He's a good player. He's a very good player. Yeah, uh, a bit, a bit, a bit too slow to my taste. Mm. But he's a very productive player. 
Yeah, it would be interesting if Arsenal go in for, for him, uh, at least mm-hmm. on another loan. But um, De Bruyne is without a shadow. I mean, De Bruyne, I have to say, is my favourite player in the Premier League. He is a magician to watch. Uh, and his, his shot, I'm sorry, but <laughs> does anyone strike a ball better than Kevin De Bruyne? In the Premier League, if the world of football at the minute, you've got to go Henderson. Have to go Henderson because captaining, you know, the, uh, the Premier League champions. And he was, Ollie, he was brilliant all the way through. And... We have to make one more point. We needed a Northeast representative in this team. So, yeah, Jordan Henderson will, will sacrifice, you know, will be right in there. Um, you know what? Just because uh, I can't give him, I can't put Fernandez in because it's team, team of the season as much as I want to, and he has made the change that Manchester United did. But Jamie Madison was absolutely instrumental in Leicester going to the top two, top three. We should um, we should point out that I think there's only one midfielder finished as his club's top goal scorer this season. We haven't even mentioned them. Oh, hang on, who? John Joe Shelby. Shelby <laughs> with six. <laughs> anyway, yeah, exactly. That is the I mean, very epitome of where Newcastle are at at the minute. That was a joke, by the way. Yes, I know. That was I, I, a bad one. That was a bad one. Pen down. That was a bad one. That was a really bad joke. <laughs> We're going with Henderson, De Bruyne and Madison. I think James Madison needs an honourable mention in there, but I would have loved to put Fernandez in. He will be in next year, I, uh, I imagine, uh, considering how well he's settled into the Premier League. Finally, our three attackers. Who are we going for, Mark? Let's start with you. Um, well, two of them are technically wingers, but they do play as forwards. So, uh, Raheem Sterling, Sadio Mane, Jamie Vardy. Interesting. No, forget that. <laughs> Excellent. We have Sunderbear on this one. You were very vehement there. Where, where did you put Aubameyang? Uh, well, he, he, he was the one that I took out the last minute for, uh, for Sterling. No. I'd put Aubameyang no, in. I'm not having that. I'm not having that. you got to have Sterling in. He's had a great season. Sterling. Aubameyang and and whoever you want, but you, them two, has done it. They've done it. They've done it. So who, who's your third? Who's got three then, Ollie? Uh, what did you say, Mark? Uh, Raheem Sterling, Sadio Mane, Jamie Vardy. No, I'd probably I put Mane and Aubameyang in in the middle, but but uh, but I, I would let them choose and enjoy themselves. Go on, son. Alongside him, with Vardy. He's still... No, Vardy's not even nowhere near. Nobody in the golden boot, Ollie. <laughs> no, I'm nowhere near. Finished top goal in the Premier League. Prediction. You want, you want, you want, you want, you want. I like it. I like difference. You know me, mate. So, Aubameyang, Mane, and um, Sterling. And Sterling. So, you're dropping Vardy at plumbing, heck. Come on. Can I just uh, jump no. in with you? With an addition, I know we've been doing uh, honourable mentions. I think um, someone who's been through injury hell over the last three years and hasn't yep. really been a consistent performer, but had a great season. Danny Ings, yes, had a great. Yes. I was going to shout Ings, yeah, yeah great season. Yeah, he's done well. To be fair, he's done very well um, this year. And another I'm one for me, and not that it's really an unsung hero, uh, and it's as much for what he's done off the pitch as he has done on it. But I think Marcus Rashford has been absolutely magnificent this season for Manchester United, both you know, as an ambassador and as a footballer. That's um, all right. <laughs> I was going to say Martial actually there, Ollie, but Rashford. No, but they, they, they've both been all right uh, this season, better than last season. I think they're getting better mm-hmm. as a, as a collective, yeah. but uh, still not, not nowhere near 
the player they should have been or they should be. There's another couple of honourable mentions, sorry, from me. One is obvious, Raul Jimenez at Wolves, uh, over 20 goals this season in all competitions, which was absolutely magnificent. Another Traore. One, what, sorry, mate? You could have, you could have said Traore. Oh, decent, Traore. Uh, That's actually not a terrible... There was a few in Wolves, in fairness, that would have been on the fringes of that. Um, another one uh, who you would argue... It, this isn't necessarily for his goal-scoring prowess, but the way he handled himself because he was kicked out of the team and he's fought his way back to the first team. Olivier Giroud at Chelsea. Like, he's actually... Not to make the actual team just an honourable mention. I wouldn't dream of putting him alongside Sterling, Vardy, Mane or Aubameyang. But the, the fortitude to do that, fair play. To be fair, if, you, if you're looking at Chelsea, I'd also say Christian Pulisic. Pulisic, yeah. He's very great, yeah. Um, Towards the back end of the season, I would say, he's, he's really started to come on. Um, but the other one for me, and this is more of an emotional one as well, uh, is David McGoldrick at Sheffield United. Certainly not for the amount of goals that he scored, but that lad works his socks off up front. And I was so delighted, even though the, the supporters weren't in to see it, but eventually to score his first Premier League goal for Sheffield United was magnificent. I'm going to have to make a decision here, boys. <clears throat> You're not going to like it. Sterling, Vardy and Aubameyang. Vardy has to be in his golden boot winner. Aubameyang literally has dragged Arsenal to the FA Cup win with two goals in the <laughs> semi-final and in the final. And that incredible finish to win it against Zuma. And Sterling, like you say, Mark, uh, tremendous season. First Englishman for Manchester City to notch over 20 goals since Brian Kidd, I think. So, yeah. And it's outrageous that you haven't put Sadia Mane in. Yeah. We've got it's enough cool. Liverpool players in there. <laughs> Understandably, given what they did. Well, you could have just put a Liverpool side in there. <laughs> I'd put Danny Ings in Mane. What? <laughs> what a fitting way to end the season. Not seriously, <laughs> but I would. Uh, yeah, Mane would be the next best. But no, I can't leave Aubameyang out there. And I wouldn't drop Vardy because he's golden boot. And I wouldn't drop Sterling because I think he offers more threat. So Mane has to go out for me. Sorry. We've ended up on a real high note here, haven't we, boys? Neither of you look delighted with this eventual team, which is, can I just read out, Nick Pope in goal, Alexander-Arnold right back, Virgil van Dijk, Conor Cody, Andy Robertson, midfield three of De Bruyne, Madison and Henderson, and the front three of Sterling, Vardy and Aubameyang. I mean, it's not a bad side. Not bad, is it? Not you wouldn't. It's not the right one. It's not a bad side. It's not the right one, mate, because it's not the one you've got written down in front of you. <laughs> but there's a bit of difference. I can get away with Cody. I'll give you that one. But outrageous not to have Sadio Mane in. Oh, you're fuming about this, aren't yeah. you? I thought you were going to go to Madison in midfield, to be honest uh, with you, Rob. Yeah. Who, who got left out of midfield? Sorry, who got left Fernandez you weren't happy about, but it's team of the season. Yeah, I could live with that. <laughs> Actually, by the way, I probably would have said Jack Grealish as well. Grealish was on the tip of my tongue and then I Mainly, thought if he gets sold for 80 million, I'm not, I'm not going anywhere near that if he gets sold for 80 million. It'll That's be an incredible nice. amount of money. Uh, but very, very good player, equally so. So there, that is the 4-3-3 Football Matters team of the season. And like that, gents, that is us done. I know we only started 20 weeks ago, so we can't really profess to have lasted throughout the entirety of the longest season in history. Um, but it's, I must say, from my perspective, it's been a brilliant season from a point of view that we actually managed to bring Football Matters back in some way, shape or form, uh, regardless of whether it's on Zoom rather than in a studio, but also as a podcast. Uh, it's been tremendous to have it back, tremendous to have very, various debates kicking off um, and not necessarily talk about the Newcastle United takeover every single week. 
most weeks, but not every single week. So it's been a pleasure. To be fair, uh, some episodes have felt as long as the Premier League season's taken. <laughs> <laughs> Including so. this one, which I said 40 minutes at the start, and it's an hour and 10 minutes currently. So, <laughs> yeah. Ollie, I appreciate you need to go, mate. You have pl- pl- people to see, places to go. Um, so, listen, guys, thank you very much, as per usual. Uh, you've been an absolute delight. Uh, it's, it's an honour to spend time with you on a Monday evening, and uh, we'll be back again in four or five weeks to do it all again, eh? Enjoy your holiday, boys. It's been a pleasure to be in your company for, for that wait. many weeks. I can't wait. Many weeks. Can't wait for the first mean tweets of the season next year. <laughs> it's going to happen. It is. I know it is. It is. Tremendous. And Mark, happy anniversary. Happy fifth year anniversary of Football Matters. I'd love to say it's been an honour and a pleasure. But, uh, <laughs> my uh, mum always told us not a lie, so... <laughs> well, I tried to end it on a high note anyway and of course thanks for our final episode um, Darren Williams as well who I hope will watch or listen back to this uh, Daz it's been a pleasure as always mate and we'll, we'll speak to you very soon and thank you very much to Greg Tomlinson who was our final guest of the series thank you very much to all of our guests who have appeared on this series over the last 20 weeks uh, on Zoom or on Twitter as it started uh, it's been a pleasure to have you all thank you for sticking with us and uh, thank you to you all at home for watching for listening and most importantly for sticking with us through one of the most testing times in our country and our world's history, I suppose, in terms of the coronavirus pandemic and in terms of football in the national sense and from a northeast perspective. So thank you for subscribing. Thank you for watching and listening. And uh, we'll see you in four or five weeks. We're off to take a well-deserved holiday. Take care from all of us here on the Football Matters team. We will see you very shortly. Bye for now.